Amen. Well, get out your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings 19, and uh, we're going to be continuing our series on um, experiencing the impossible today. We're still talking about Elijah um, in 1 Kings 19, but before I start, I got a cheesy joke, okay? I hope you like it. You guys like cheesy jokes? You say, Sean, all your jokes are cheesy. Anyway, okay, there's uh, this professor who had a class full of freshmen from all around the world. And uh, he began to ask him, ask him questions, and, he, and his first question was, what is the opposite of joy? And one uh, lady who, who was from China raised her hand, and he, she said, the opposite of joy is sadness. And the professor said, you're, yeah, you're right. So what is the opposite, on this next question, the opposite of depression? And a guy from France raised his hand, and he said, uh, the opposite of depression is elation. He says, yes, that's right, that's correctly right. And then, what is the opposite of woe? He asked this other question. And this guy from Texas said, well, I guess the uh, opposite of woe would be giddy up. <laughs> that was good, wasn't it? Get, get it? Giddy up? Giddy up? Amen. Yeah, you have to also be from Texas. Anyway, First uh, Kings 19 um, I want you guys to remember about Elijah, what James said about Elijah in chapter 5 or 17, that he was just like us. So I want you to understand what we're going into, that Elijah had to deal, and a lot of times when we look at people in the Bible, we don't think they are like us. Every one of them was like us in some way. They had to deal with the sadness, the mental health issues that you and I have to deal with sometimes. And so, and Elijah was, not, was the same way. I mean, he has seen a lot of things happen. But here, right after all of that, we pick up here in 1 Kings 19, verse 1. It says, Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets with a sword. Now let's backtrack a little bit and see who we're talking about here. Remember, King Ahab was an evil king. In fact, he was the 19th consecutive evil king Israel had. And he's married to Jezebel, who is just as evil or maybe even more evil than uh, he is. And the scripture tells us that they, that they did more evil in the sight of God than anyone before him. And so uh, Jezebel says here, if we continue, sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow... If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. So she's talking about the dead prophets that were killed. And, uh, and that basically she's saying, I'm going to kill you. So this evil queen is, look, is saying to Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And it says in verse 3 that Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. Now it's kind of funny that he would do that after him seeing the miraculous works of God, the great victories, really, that he had, that he would, he would be so afraid of this person. Now, if you missed the, the, the couple weeks ago when we started, started the series, remember, you know, we, stu we studied that the king, uh, Ahab and Jezebel, had begun to turn the hearts of, of, of the children of Israel away from God into these other gods, the God of Baal and Asherah. And, uh, and, and had them start serving them. They were building temples everywhere. They were, they were causing them to turn away from God. So God raises up this prophet, Elijah, 
to go and con uh, confront the king Ahab. So he goes and confront the king Ahab, tries to get him to repent, he doesn't repent, and he tells him that, well, there's going to be a drought on the land. It's not going to rain until God tells me to pray for rain. And so King Ahab, you know, sees that, and eventually, you know, it does, stops raining. It doesn't rain for three and a half years, and, and here um, Elijah has to go hide because the king's angry, wants him dead, and he goes hide um, in a place called Kareth Raven. Now, Kareth Raven was a place for him to be uh, maturing in his gift, maturing in God, to be humbled. And, uh, and he was there, and he was getting fed by ravens, you know, and uh, he was getting meat, and bread was bringing bring back. Don't you love God that, that he just provides food? Everywhere in the Bible he provides food, amen? That it, now in, in the heaven we're going to have a feast, and he provides red meat. And there all the men said, yes, amen. amen. And so, um, so during, even during the drought, there was a brook that was flowing all through this drought, and, then, and the only way it was flowing is because of the miraculous hand of God. And it was keeping him, the ravens were keeping him nourished, and the water by the brook, he was, he was being refreshed. And then one day, the scripture says, the brook dried up, and God led him to a city called Zarephath, where he met a widow. Remember the widow? She had just a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour, and she was going out to make uh, some bread for her and her son to eat really a last meal before they died. And she comes up path to, on the path of Elijah, and Elijah looks at her and says, make me that bread. And, uh, but if you, and if you do, those vats will never run dry. You'll never be out of oil, you'll never be out of flour. And so she did, she did that. And she never ran out of flour, never ran out of oil, and she took care of the prophet. And God blessed her house because of this. And then, but then one day, her son died. And he takes her up. Elijah takes that son up to, to the room that he was staying in and raises her from the dead. The first time that's happened in the Bible. Raises her, him from the dead. And, uh, and then, all of a, then later on, God says, now it's time to go confront King Ahab. And so he goes up and confronts King Ahab again. And says, Are you ready to repent? No. And he says, well, bring all your prophets. There's 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. And we're going to have a showdown. And we're going to build two altars. And we're going to put bulls on those altars. And we're going to see who, who's, whose God brings fire down from heaven. And whoever God brings fire down from heaven is a true God. And so all the 450 prophets of Baal came around that altar of Baal and started to dance. And, and do all the stuff that they tried to do to force... To make their God do something. Their God ain't going to do something because he ain't real. And so Elijah's just there, you know, making fun of them as they're doing all this. And uh, saying he must be in the bathroom busy or something like that. That's what the scripture really kind of says. And, and nothing happens. And so what Elijah does, he goes and rebuilds the, the altar. And he prays uh, this prayer. And fire comes down and consumes everything. Everything was drenched with water but consumed everything. And then all the prophets died that day um, because of their um, allegiance to a false god. See, God is faithful, and, and Elijah is looking on this, and then he goes to King Ahab, and he says, it's going to rain. And, uh, and there's not a cloud in the sky, and he goes up to this mountain, and he prays. And, 
and he sends a servant to look over the sea and see if you see any clouds, and he doesn't see any cloud the first time, and it takes seven times. On the seventh time, he says he sees a cloud, and he says, I see a cloud that's as small as a man's hand, and, and uh, Elijah said, that's it, and then it began to rain after that. So you see Elijah here, and here we are. He, he has seen the mighty works of God, and he gets afraid because of this evil woman who says, I'm going to kill you. He wigs out, he freaks out, and he runs away. He runs for his life. And in 1 Kings 19, we find this in, in, in verse 3. It says, when Elijah came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He's running for his life. He came to a broom tree. He sat down under it, and look what he prayed, that he might die. How many of you guys think Elijah was a little depressed? It's interesting, isn't it? He just saw all this great victory of the Lord, the hand of God. I mean, everything was great, and, 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 and everything was going well, and this one person comes against him. Now, yes, she is the queen, but he, he, is, he has seen the hand of God protect him, but he runs away. You know, the thing about it is we deal with these type of things, too. When we've seen God provide, when we've seen God heal, when we've seen God do some things, even in the midst of everything going well, it's easy for us because of one thing, even one, maybe even little thing, to slip in a place of despair, of worry, and even depression. And so it's really, really easy for us to do that. So today I'm going to talk about depression I'm going to talk about Elijah and how Elijah got into depression, how it really affects us. Now, I'm, not, I'm talking from experience because I've told you many times that I have dealt with depression in my life, and I've gotten counsel, and I've gotten uh, help for that. And, uh, I, and I'm not speaking for someone who's, who has not experienced this. And I look at the life of Elijah in, in the way of, of how he went into depression and how he can come out of it. I look in this life. And I, I see it in my life. I see how I easily slipped into depression. And there really, in a lot of ways, there's really no reason. There's a lot of fears that we come into. And a lot of times we fear the what-ifs are going to happen. And you know what? I've seen that in my life. It, 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 a lot of the what-ifs never happen. Some of the what-ifs may. But it doesn't matter either way because we serve a God who who helps, who comes alongside, who will never leave you or forsake you, who will help you through that, who will, who will even though you know, there's many, many trials and tribulations in this world, Jesus said, but don't worry, I have overcome the world. And so I want to help you with this, and I want to give you four ways. If you really want to get depression, this is how you do it, and this is how Elijah did it. So number one, if you're taking notes, you can take notes in, the, in your bulletin or on our app today. If you're taking notes, step one, if you want to do what Elijah did to get into depression, number one, you need to wear yourself out. So many times we wear ourselves out. If you notice, over and over again, Elijah had been in this massive spiritual battle for years. Battle, being trained, you know, praying, battle, praying, battle. I mean, there's just a lot of things that were going on, and he had, had people chasing him. He had, just had to do a number of things. He had to have faith and battle, faith and battle. Then he runs for his life. And, and listen, you know, you, 
you, you, you come to a place where in your life, that's all you're doing is giving out. You're wearing yourself out. You're giving out to, to your job. You're giving out to, to your family, your kids, your, your spouse. You're giving out to your dog or your cat. Man, I, I, my wife and, and kids left, and they went to visit their family, and I was here alone with my dog. That's one of the most selfish dogs I've ever seen before in my life. He wakes me up at 2 a.m. in the morning. No reason, just so he can go outside and play. He didn't even go use the bathroom. I'm waiting there for him. Go, what do you got to do? I just left him out there, locked the door. I have a backyard that's fenced in, but, but I just left him out there. The next day, the next evening, he wants to come back into my room. He comes in, he's upstairs, he's, he's waiting for me to open the door. I said, no, you're staying out here, and I shut the door. Didn't let him in, I slept good that night. Woke up the next morning, went, you know, went to work, and then came back in, in the evening, and, and, uh, and, I, and I was going upstairs, and, and he wasn't going to speak to me at all. <laughs> and he always wants a treat. Always, I mean, well, I don't know what my, my family feeds this dog. They must give him hundreds of treats a day because he's been asking for one all the time, every time. I don't understand that. That's why, that's why he's getting big. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's wrong, but he's a selfish thing. But it's, it's like I had this, it's like a baby. <laughs> the point is, is that we give out a lot, and we never take care of ourselves. I'm not talking about selfishness. You're so busy. I'm doing a series in September about time management because it's so spiritual. To have margin in your time. That means you have time left. Some of you don't have even time to do the things that God has put on your heart. Because you place yourself so busy in everything. And they may be good things. I'm not saying they're bad things. I'm not saying they're, they're these bad things. But you place, you, you've, you've been so busy and you're never, and listen, let me tell you something. Watching TV doesn't put back into you. It doesn't feed you. It a lot of times takes out of you. Or it's just neutral. It doesn't do anything. I'm not talking about just rest. What did you say? Oh, you don't want to say it now. Huh? Right besides the Royals. Right? Well, no, no. That would, yeah, that's really bad. Chiefs are coming up. That will probably put into you. I don't know. That will give you joy. In the name of Jesus. We're having prayer meetings all of August. No, I'm joking. We're not. But... But you wear yourself out. You're exhausted. And you wonder why I'm depressed. Because you're going here, there, and everywhere. You've got to not wear yourself out. There's times that you've got to stop that. Step two, if you want to, wear, if you want to uh, get depressed, is you've got to become a loner. And this is what a lot of people do. When you wear yourself out, you want to be alone problem with being alone is that you were never made to be alone. God said, and it's not just for men, it's for women too, it's not good for man to be alone. He saw that. God was there. So all I need is God. No. God said you didn't. You need someone else. You need people. We need each other. We need around people. And I, listen, 
someone who, who has dealt with depression, that's what happens to me. I want to be alone. I don't want to talk about it. I don't, you, you can ask me. I don't want to, I'm not going to share with you. I don't, want to, um, I don't want to say what's going on with my life. I'll deal it with myself, and I can get through it with myself. I, 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 and it never works. We put a stiff arm to people. We, don't want, to, we want people out of our life, and you become a loner. Listen, if you want to be depressed, you've got to wear yourself out. And you, you're doing, you, you've done that. I've done that. I'm a workaholic. I wear myself out. And then you're going to be a loner. You're going to be alone. Number three, because Elijah did that. Look what he did when he was going to the desert. He went to Beersheba and told his servant, stay here. Stay here. And he went on. Now, Beersheba is the southern part of Israel. And, and he went on even further. Than the day. He went as far as he could go. It wasn't even farther to see. And so there he is. You've got to understand, he's probably spiritually worn out. He's uh, mentally worn out. He's worrying, thinking, this woman's going to kill me. He's been afraid of death the whole time anyway. And the third thing, he's physically worn out. And he left his servant, which is probably was his best friend. And he left him and went away. And the third thing, if you want to you get depressed, focus on the negative. Was exactly what this hero, this great man of faith did. He said, I've had enough. I'm no better than my ancestors. What's funny is about all that, no one was asking him. He was thinking this all up in, your, in his head. He was thinking stuff like, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who's around. I'm never going to be any good. Because, you know, self-pity exaggerates things, right? You know, he's saying he was the only one, but he wasn't the only one who was still loving God and pursuing God. There were 7,000 other people that didn't bow down to Baal. But that's what self-pity does, right? Self-pity, when you, when you start to get wearing yourself out, you become a loner, and you begin to think about these things, nobody understands. And listen, I'm saying this from experience. I've said those things. Because self-pity will exaggerate your problem. I'm never going to get that promotion. My kids are never going to do what I ask them to do. They're never going to come to Christ. I, after that ice cream, I'm never going to fit in my pants again. Well, that, that actually may be true. But anyway, <laughs> you shut people out. You don't let them in, and you focus on the negative, and you've worn yourself out. And the fourth thing, if you want to do, if you want to get depressed, is what happens, you forget about God. You forget about God. All we saw in Elijah's life was God to provide, God to do miraculous things. And all he can look down there is, God, kill me. Because you're not going to come through, me, through for me one more time. How did he get to that point? Because he focused on the negative. He wore himself out. He became a loner. Because you need somebody to tell you, you know, Sean, that's not right. That's not, look what God has done. What says that he wouldn't do it again? 
You need people around you to do that. And he didn't have anybody, so he even stopped focusing on the Lord. That's how you get depressed. Wear yourself out, become a loner, focus on the negative, all the negative circumstances, and take your eyes off the Lord. But let's talk about some of the answers. Because Elijah had some answers here. Because many of you here today have dealt with this kind of stuff. I know. All of us are alike in a lot of ways. Some that have greater extremes of this, I know. But you may be hurting here today. God is maybe be speaking to you to, directly. Maybe you, you have some worry and you have some times of loneliness or some times of, of fear. Well, God wants to bring you out of that. Maybe you're in full form depression right now. The good news is God wants to speak to you. So if we continue in the scripture, what happens here in chapter 19, you know, Elijah didn't have any hope. He's hiding out. He's wanting to die. But I want you to know something. God sends an angel to help him. And I want you to know something the angel does not do. There's no sermon. The angel doesn't give him a sermon. He doesn't rebuke him. There's no shame that he brings upon Elijah. He doesn't say, why are you doing this, you idiot? Don't you see? He doesn't do any of that. The angel didn't say if you only had enough faith, if you only memorized Bible scriptures, and, and if you just quoted the Bible verses and quit acting like a baby. You know, he didn't say that. There's no rebuke, nothing negative. The very first thing that the angel said to Elijah, and I want you to write this, the first thing that you and I need to do to get out of depression is eat and get some rest. So the angel of the Lord told Elijah, eat. And Elijah ate, and he went back to sleep. He rested. Eat and rest. In verse 6, it says, Elijah looked around, and there at his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. I love the way how God provides. Eat and rest. You need to, you need to, you need to take care of you. I'm not just talking about physical food. I'm talking about spiritual food. I'm talking about resting, not just sleeping, but learn to, let, to, to unplug everything and rest and allow God to help you and to provide for you and to feed you. I was talking to a counselor one time because I was dealing with depression. And as we were going through this and I was getting a little bit better, he says, Sean, I'm, I'm really concerned to be. And I said, listen, what, why are you concerned? I'm, I, I feel like I'm getting better. He says, he says, Sean, and he had just asked me, what's my schedule? And he says, uh, he says I'm concerned about you. I said, why? I think, he says, I think you're on a really early stage of burnout. I said, man, everything's been going great. And I says, he says, Sean, your circumstances are going great, but the way you are living is not. You're, you're, you're just full steam ahead the whole time. And I heard these words, and he says, you, you need to take some time off. I said, no, I can't. I've got stuff to do. We've got this going on, and, and I need to be there. And he says, God doesn't need you. And I said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. felt like that. He said, God doesn't need you. He said, your pace and rhythm is too much. You need to change that. You need to get some rest. He says, he says, Sean, the most spiritual thing you can do 
his rest. And that really impacted me. Because I was working my days off. My days off for Friday. I was working my days off, and I, I can have Saturdays off if I don't have anything to do, but usually in the morning I'm here praying, and uh, I uh, go back home, I spend some time with the family, and then pretty much early evening I'm, I'm praying and, and studying again. I mean, it's Fridays though, but I was working on Fridays. And he says, no one can do that. The most spiritual thing you can do is to eat and rest. To feed yourself, not only, not only physical food, but spiritual food. Not, not for anybody else, but for yourself. And to rest and not do things all the time. Just get some rest. And that, that helped me more than anything. To really realize that I needed to get some rest. In fact, perhaps one of the most disobeyed commands of God is the Sabbath. Is to rest in the Sabbath. To, re, to, to re, get refreshed in the Sabbath. But I've got to do this. I mean, we're thinking this all the time. I've got to do this. I've got to go here and got to go here. You need to wor- learn the word no. Amen? Say no. It's okay to say no. If you haven't gotten rest and and refreshed, you need to say no. Listen, if you're never putting in to yourself, I'm not talking about selfishness. That's a whole other other way on on the deep end. I'm talking about getting stuff for yourself. To enjoy this world, to enjoy life a little bit, right? And get some rest. The angel provided food and lets him take a nap. Amen? Take a nap today. Don't feel guilty about it. It's okay. But take some rest. You're, you're no good to yourself or to others or even to God if you're depressed. Because you know what depression does. There's no shame on that, that you got into the place of depression. I'm just saying, you're not going to do anything. You're going to be a loner. You're going to get away. You're not going to feel like your identity is well, good enough to start doing things. And you're, and you're just going to mess everything else up. It, does, it hurts you. It hurts other people around you. And it hurts you from following the plan of God. Get some rest. It is okay to say no. It's okay to say no to your kids. It's okay to say no to your kids, right? No, I'm not going. No, we are not doing this, right? No. Not do- it's okay to say no to the church. If we ask you if you can do something, you can say no. Not all the time. But it's okay. There's no, there's no, we will not condemn you here. And if, and if you ever felt condemned by somebody, you let me know. You can say no. Not all the time. You need to serve, right? I'll get with that in here in a minute. But you do need to say no. You need to say no to things. Because you need that rest. And let's read on. Look at verse 7. Chapter 19, verse 7. 
The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So Elijah got up and ate and drank. See, I want you to know something. This is not in your notes, but that God does have some things for you. Okay? And you need to be prepared for that. He knows what's coming in your future, right? Whether it's good or bad, you need to be prepared. You need to be strong physically, strong spiritually and emotionally. Amen? And you do that by rest. Go on vacations. Don't feel guilty about that. You know, I grew up in a, in a household that um, was self-employed. My dad had his own business. And, and some of the complaints I would always hear my dad complain about was his employees, how they didn't work. They didn't, they, they wouldn't do the job. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be wholehearted in it. They would come in late and, you know, of course, you know, and he would just, it was hard to find what he would say good workers. And so that was always drilled into me, not towards me, but I always got, man, I've got to get to work. I've got work to do. And, my, and I tell you what, three-day vacations were, were big in my family. So if there was Memorial Day or Labor Day or July 4th on a weekend, we, we could go on vacation. Other than that, we didn't go more than three days. Till later on when he learned to do that. And so when I would go on vacation, I would feel guilty. I wasn't working for him then. I mean, I was working for a church and I had vacation time, but I would feel guilty when I was off work. That's why I was working on my, my off days because I felt guilty because there was a heart issue in my past. Listen, it is okay for you to take off work. You are not unfaithful. You are being faithful. By not working times. Is there, are you supposed to work? Yes. Are you supposed to work hard? Yes. Should you be the best worker in, in the company that you work for? Yes. But it's times to take off. And so Elijah, the angel told Elijah, you need to eat and drink because there's, there's something coming you're not prepared for yet. The journey is too much for you. So Elijah got up, ate and drank. Now check this out. Strengthened by the food and certainly by the rest. Strengthened, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, this is the same mountain that they, some scholars believe that uh, Moses got the Ten Commandments from. So basically, he says to eat and rest, go, and then go to the place. This is number two, if you want to get out of depression. Go to the place where you'll experience God. So eat and rest, but you need to get fed even more spiritually. You need to go to the place where you can experience God, wherever you experience God at. Whether it's, it's you need to go to church, you need to go to your prayer room, you need to go to your car and drive around and put worship music on and just pray. But you need to experience God. If you don't experience God, you're not going to get fully rested, fully supplied. Nobody does. You need God. Remember how Elijah really is taking God out of the program. Listen, if you want to get depressed, you're going to do that. But if you want to get out of depression, you need to experience the Lord. And you need to get into the presence of God. And go in the presence of God. No matter what it is, where is your closet, your room, your outdoor, you know, whatever you, you need to go to, go do that. And experience the Lord. And when you begin to get into this presence, the Bible says, in His presence there's fullness of what? joy and pleasures forevermore why because in the presence of god is like that's where that's your spiritual food that's where your spirit is getting nourished you're a three-part person you have a flesh 
That's your body, you have a mind, a will, and emotion. That's your soul, and you have a spirit man. And all three needs to get rest and nourishment. Go to the place where you experience God. So go eat and rest. Go to the place you experience God. And the third thing, number three, if you want to get out of depression, while you're in the presence of God, God will replace our lies with his truth. This will speak to some of you. Look at verse 9 and 10. Scripture says that Elijah went into the cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What, what are you doing here, Elijah? You know, God wanted Elijah to express some things and voice really the problem and ver- verbalize the lies that he's thinking. He knew what he was doing there. God knew that. But he wanted to correct some lies. What are you doing here, Elijah? In verse 10 he says, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. That's true. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. That's also true. They've broken down your altars. That's true. And put your prophets to death with the sword. That's true. That was going on. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. That's false. They're trying to kill him, but he's not the only one left. I've been doing all the work. That's false. I'm the only one who cares. That's false. I'm the only one that can get it done. That's false. He owned more of the responsibility than it was actually his. He had done everything that God had asked him to do. He was doing everything that he thought he was supposed to do. Everything. And basically he's saying that there's no one who cares for me like I do. Everybody's depending on me. I'm all alone. No one understands And we get into that place where we're believing lies. Remember that pity that's coming up. And we're believing the lies. No one understands me. No one understands. Well, if you read on the story, we know that Elijah wasn't alone. There were 7,000 other Israelites that had not bowed down to Baal. There are 7,000 others still seeking God, seeking and praying. Don't believe the lies. You're not the only one. And a lot of us, we, we believe their lies, these lies. We believe when we get into this place of depression, my fa- finances are never going to turn around. But we're leaving God out of, those, out of that equation. What does God say? I will supply all of your needs. My marriage is, is never going to be right. My marriage is never going to be good. It's never going to be healed. Why? Why would you believe that lie? What does God say? All things are possible to those that believe. I'm never going to be healed. With God, all things are are possible. You replace the lie with his truth. You replace that lie. There's lies that we begin to believe, but the only way we, we, we are confronted with the lie is when we are in the presence of God. And we're feeding ourselves with the word of God. We take those thoughts captives to the obedience of Christ. So where are you right now? What are, what are some of the lines that you've been verbalizing and believing? I'm always going to be depressed. My life is never going to change. Nobody really cares. I'm the only one that does things right. When you're in the presence of God, you're going you're gonna to see God come out. But the, the, the next thing you're going to see, the fourth thing to get out of depression, is you're going to hear the voice of God in his presence. And that voice of God is going to give you hope. And you're going to listen to that voice, and he's going to give you direction. 
God says eat and rest. Go to the place to experience God. God replaces our lives with his truth and God speaks. Remember, Elijah was used to dealing with this big old stuff, this, this miraculous stuff going on. And here in verse 11, the Lord said to him, Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came... What came? A gentle whisper. See, in the presence of God, all you need is a word that will encourage you. One word created the universe. Sometimes all we need for our miracle to get out of depression is that one word from the Lord. Is that one word from God. A gentle whisper, not a, maybe not a booming sign that God is capable of doing it, but just the voice of God. And you can hear it. I mean, there's been times in my life where I've, I've been getting depressed and getting worried and getting scared, fearful, that I've had to, I had to get into the presence of God. I knew I had to get a word from the Lord. When I got that word from the Lord... I heard something, and something sparked inside of me. I stopped believing the lies that the enemy was telling me, that my own flesh was telling me, and started believing the truth of God. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is get that rest, is get into a place to experience God, capture the truth of God and not the lies of God, but listen to the word of the Lord to you. What is he saying to you? And that's the thing that, God does to Elijah. And I think it's beautiful. And then number five, God gives us something to do. You know, some of the things to overcome depression, the fears in our life, we have to do what God tells us to do. In verse 15, it says, go back the way you came, he tells Elijah, and go over to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram, anoint Jehu, son of Nimeshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shephat, from Abel, Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. In other words, he's telling Elijah, get up and do what prophets do. Get up and do what I've called you to do. Get up and be who I've called you to be and I will strengthen you and I will be there for you there is something you need to do there is something that you have to do you know I'm, 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 there's been times where I've, I've gotten fearful I've gotten scared or I've gotten, I've gotten into depression where I just had to get up and do what God's called me to do no matter what I felt like no matter what I mean I've, I've literally Lisa and I have literally went to the hospital to find somebody to pray for No one we knew was in the hospital. Well, actually, we get there, and then there's someone we knew. But, but we go to the hospital, and we just ask them, can we, is there someone we can pray for? And they'll point us to the, the chapel, or they'll point us to somebody over there. And, 
or we'll just go and meet people and just pray for them. you got to get up and do what God's called you to do because what the, the, the enemy wants to do, he wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And he wants to get you in that place of depression. He wants to get you in that place because he knows if you stay there, you will not do what God's called you to do, and he's won. But God knows if you start doing what God's called you to do, you're not going to be into that place of depression. But you've got to get rest. You've got to feed yourself. You've got to get fed. You've got to get into the place where, where, where God is. You've got to get into the presence of God. You've got to stop believing the lies that you're complaining about. You've got to stop believing the lies and believe the truth of God. You need to do those things. You need to come to a place where you hear the voice of God. Get the word of the Lord. Get direction. Get understanding. Let him love on you. Let him encourage you. God is there to encourage you. He sent his Holy Spirit to be the comforter. That is powerful. The comforter is inside of you wanting to comfort. Wanting to pat you on the back, to hold you, to, to hug you, to, to empower you. Let him be who he is in your life. And start doing what God's called you to do. So, well, Sean, I don't know what God's called you to do. Well, who are you? Are you a mom? Be a mom. Be a dad. Be a provider. Go mow the yard. <laughs> I was uh, 1998. Man, that's like 21 years ago. Man, Mitch, you're getting old. 1998. I um. I was living in Greenwood, Missouri. I was going through a lot transition there's some things god was speaking in my heart but there was some trouble not trouble i mean i was just there's some conflict and uh i was just i was just depressed angry mad you know i just and i was just sulking in my in my little three bedroom ranch just you know, there's no, no way to get away from anybody in that house, you know, because everybody's everywhere. So I'm just sitting in my chair flicking the TV channels, you know, on my tube TV, flicking them, just going through everything. And Lisa comes in, mean as anything, just tells me, go mow the yard. She says, I don't, don't want to mow the yard. I don't feel like mowing the yard. Go mow the yard. And I said, you're not my boss. I'm being honest with you, this is exactly how it is. So I get up and go mow the yard. And, um, <laughs> she's still not my boss. But anyway, um, you know, that's my job, to mow the yard. I didn't want to mow the yard. I didn't want to get up. I, I'm so thankful I mowed the yard. Because if I didn't mow the yard, a friend who was passing by wouldn't have saw me. And she saw something in the spirit realm about me. She didn't know what was going on. And she prayed for me. I didn't know she was praying. And she went back home. 
got a book that, that radically just helped me. She comes up in the backyard as I'm mowing the yard and scares me. I mean, it just scares me. I didn't know she was back there because what I'm doing, how, how many guys ever have talked to yourself before? <laughs> so not, I'm not the only crazy one. <laughs> so I'm here in, in fighting with the people that I was having conflict with. And, um, and so I didn't know anybody was around me. She comes and scares me. She hands me a book. It was a book on... on uh, the bait of Satan, John Bevere, about offense. I'm so thankful today. I wasn't thankful then, but I was thankful after I read that book. Because it helped me get out of an offense I was in that was causing depression in my life. See, unforgiveness is sin. It's wrong. So thankful that I got up and did what I was supposed to do. Something so doesn't mean anything, it seems like, to go mow the yard. But if I didn't mow the yard, she would have never known, never saw me, because I was being a loner. I didn't want to talk about it. I just got up and mowed the yard. And it changed my life. The enemy wants to get you stuck. He wants to get you to a place of lack of faith and hope. And let me tell you something. I'm not making light of what you're going through. I've been through some very hard things. Understand that. God loves you. Don't ever forget that. He might not have brought you to the place you're at, but he can definitely get you out of the place you are. And he's not mad at you. You might have gotten to yourself because of your mistakes. Of, of your issues, the best thing to do is own them and allow God to come in and change it. You need to eat. You need to fulfill yourself with the knowledge of God. You need, to, you need to put into yourself. You need to rest. You need to get into the place where you experience God, whether it's your prayer room, church here. That's why we have people in the midst of worship praying for people. Don't be alone or get somebody around you. Some of you, you may need a counselor. Go to get a Christian counselor. I can help you with that. We have relationships with many Christian counselors in this area. I've purposely talked to counselors just so we can talk to them and see what they believe and, and see what they do so we can help people. Sometimes you need somebody. Sometimes you just need somebody else, a friend. Get somebody around you. But get in the presence of God. Listen to his voice. Replace those lies with his truth. And listen to what he has to say to you. And do what prophets do. Whatever God's gifted you to do, get up and do it. If he's gifted you in serving, serve. If he gifted you in, in healing, go pray for the sick. If he's gifted you in, in administration, administration, administer something. What, whatever he's gifted you in, do it. Don't just sit down. Well, Sean, I feel like a hypocrite. You're not. You're human. You're flawed. Every single one of us are. Every person in the Bible was. 
flaw besides Jesus and Adam before he sinned. We're all flawed. It's okay. Just do it. Get out there and get out of this time of depression. Depression is, is hitting our, our, our nation like crazy. Kids are, are being depressed. I mean, there's the, the, the statistics on kids from 8 to 12 is alarming of how depressed they are. You know, my biggest concern when I was 8 and 12 was? My biggest concern was my twin sister taking my toys? Or am I going to get candy? That's, that was all I, I, had, I had to worry about. Now it's, it's totally different. Because probably the parents are depressed. It's probably in the home. Listen, get out of it. God has made a way out of it. Is it easy? No, because you've got to force yourself to get off your chair. You've got to force yourself to ask for help. You've got to say, no, I'm tired of living this way. Because let me tell you what depression ends up. It becomes where it is. Elijah was suicidal. This great man of faith was suicidal. But he got some rest and he ate. He obeyed the, 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 the word of the Lord. He got into a place where he, meant, he got in the presence of God. He replaced the lies with God's truth. He heard the voice of God and he did what prophets did. He went out and got up. And you know what happened is, you know what his greatest fear was? was death, right? Did you know that he was the only, he's only, the, only two people in the Bible that never died? And he was the second one. A chariot of fire came down. If you read, continue to read the story, and Elisha was there because Elisha wanted the double portion. And Elijah told Elisha, if you're there when I go, go you'll get it. Elisha stuck to him like glue. Chariot of fire came down, picked him up, and took him to heaven. What he, these what ifs never came for him. Listen, what ifs could come. Doesn't matter. God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray.